And remember, you're going to have to think about heaven probably on a different level than you ever have. We usually think about heaven as another realm, uh, as an invisible place that one day we'll go to, that our spirits will go to. But I need you to think of heaven as another country. I need you to think of it just like you would think of Germany or Italy or uh, China. I, I need you to, to go ahead and get in your mind heaven being another country. Because it is. It's another place to live. It is a domain. It is a territory that does exist. Is it invisible? Yes. It's a spiritual place. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We, we have to get beyond thinking that spiritual things aren't real because we already know the Bible tells us, Paul said, the, the unseen is actually more real than the seen. Uh, what you see here is temporary, but what you can't see is permanent. That makes what I can't see more real than what I'm looking at today. And we have to get that across in our minds. We have to understand that. Uh, this, is, this takes daily focus to, to get our minds over to understand what I cannot see is more real than what I'm looking at. I might be looking at a doctor report that says I have cancer in my body and I'm dying in two weeks. But what is more real than that is the healing that Jesus bought on the cross that I can now apply to my life and it can change that situation. We have to get over to that. So heaven is a very real place. Hell is a very real place. These are spiritual places. We cannot see them, but they are real. And heaven is a country. It is a territory. It is the kingdom where God rules and has his domain. That's where we get that dom from kingdom. That means domain. It basically means a king's domain or a king's territory. So there is a territory called heaven. And that country, just like any other country, has a culture. Every kingdom has a culture. Every nation has a culture. And even within nations, you'll find that there are even cultures that are even smaller than that. There is a different culture up north than there is here in the south. There's a different culture in the west than there is here in the east. Uh, Chuck, you're from up north. Uh, New York. New York, New Jersey. Is it different there than here? Okay. Is there a different culture in Atlanta than there is here in Valdosta? Is there a different culture on the beach than there is in the country? Okay. So there, we see in that there's different cultures based upon location. Based upon location. Now, here's the thing you have to understand. Jesus, uh, I didn't put this verse in here. I think it's Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, verse 21, I think it is. Yep, Luke 17, 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, what are they, what are they looking for? They're looking for something natural. Remember, the Pharisees were always looking for something natural. They couldn't get their eyes on anything Jesus was talking about. The, the biggest problem that the Pharisees had is they were always looking around them. That's why... Nicodemus came to Jesus, Nicodemus being a Pharisee, in John chapter 3, and he said, Master, the things you do, they must be from God. And what was Jesus' response? Without being born again, you can't see the kingdom. Well, what in the world does that mean? Nicodemus was 
implying that the miracles and the signs and the wonders that you're doing in the natural, they have to be from God. Jesus said, well, sure. But the problem is, is you don't really know the true source. You think I'm the one healing everybody. You think I'm the one casting out demons. You think I'm the one raising up dead people. Problem is, you can't really see what's taking place here. The kingdom of God has come. A government system has come that is changing everything that you see. And Nicodemus couldn't see that. So here we have a bunch of Pharisees that are wondering, when is this natural kingdom going to come? They think Jesus is talking about a real kingdom in the earth that's going to take over as a government. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is where? In you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Okay, so going back to what we were talking about, heaven being a country has its own culture. Now it says that heaven is within you. So if heaven is within you, then where's the culture of heaven supposed to be? Within you. And so this real kingdom and this real heaven that is in the unseen, Jesus is saying here that it is supposed to start within you. The kingdom of heaven will not be in the earth until it is first in you. And that's the biggest key we have to understand. Now, when I'm saying key, I'm not really getting into the keys of the kingdom. But their key, what I mean is just principles. There's things you have to, there are principles that have to be laid that have to be understood for us to grasp this full concept. And so he's saying here that the kingdom of heaven first starts inside man. That's how it gets in the earth. It's not going to be someone coming down and saying, I am establishing a new kingdom and it is going to take over all governments. It's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a kingdom that comes within an individual. So if heaven is within you, that means the culture of heaven ought to be within you. Here's a few few things about culture. First of all, citizenship is immediate. Citizenship is immediate. We talked about citizenship last week, and you'll find out why we're bringing it back up. Citizenship is immediate, instant. When you were born, you instantly became a United States citizen. You didn't have to wait. You didn't have to wait till you were old enough to sign some documents to say, I officially say that I'm a United States citizen. When you were born, that took place. But culture is gradual. Culture is gradual. See, that citizenship into the kingdom of God? When did you become a citizen of the kingdom of God? When you were born again. When you prayed the prayer. Some of you may remember that exact moment that you prayed that prayer. You were saved. You were born again. You came into the kingdom. And you know exactly, this is when I became a citizen of the kingdom of God. You may have written down the date. That was your moment. That was your instant. That was your experience. But culture, no one here as a baby, automatically knew the culture of your lifestyle and how you live. It had to be learned. 
Culture is learned. Citizenship is given. It's handed to you. Once you are born, you are given citizenship. You didn't have to work to earn it. You didn't pay money to buy it. You didn't have to do any of that. You didn't have to do enough good things. There wasn't a, 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 a set list. See, there's people that believe that. They, to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, you just you got to do certain things right, and, and then one day you'll be a citizen. No. Citizenship came the instant you were born again. But now culture needs to be learned. Now culture needs to be uh, developed within you. Culture identifies citizenship. Culture identifies citizenship. So this is where we get the tie back to citizenship. Right now, if I had people from different nations walk in this room, and they were just dressed normally, didn't say nothing, there's no way I'd be able to pick out where they're from just by looking at them. But now I can start looking at little details. Now start, ident- start identifying what nation you're from. Uh, if they start talking and they speak in a different language, or if they have a different accent, usually when we hear people speak in a British accent, where's one of two places that we think they're from? England or Australia, right? Maybe South Africa, if we get that far. Why? All of a sudden, I can almost determine where you're from just by the way you talk. You didn't have to tell me. Uh, maybe by the way they dress. I remember, I mean, down in St. Augustine, it's like, especially if you go to Orlando. If you go to Disney, I mean, it's like the, the melting pot of the world. It's like you can, you can see every nation in one day just walking around Disney. I don't know how many of you have been recently, but... And, and you see people that dress differently. They talk differently. Uh, we were in a restaurant once, and they, they were calling... Uh, silverware, different names, and calling napkins different names. It's like, what are you talking about? Hand me that. And then they hand them a napkin. And I'm like, must be another word for napkin. But what do they just do? They just identified they're from a different nation because their culture's different. See, these are all things that wrap up your culture. The way, the way you dress, uh, your language, how you talk, the way you, I mean, even in the United States, people that are from up north talk differently than people in the south. Uh, people in Texas talk differently than, than people in California. And so just by the way people talk, I can almost pick out what part of this nation you're from. Boston, New York, Texas, Valdosta. I mean, there's accents here. You guys might not know it, but me just coming in, there's some accents here. There's some strong accents around here. Okay? So... Uh, even by maybe the words you use. I, I mean, I can probably tell someone that lives on the beach and that's just mostly, you know, beach bumming it because they're going to use different words than I would use, different adjectives. Okay? So, these are all things that develop our culture. And this is just naturally speaking. But we're going to see how all this uh, relays over to the kingdom of God. Uh, our manners. Our standards of living. Um, I, I mentioned our dress, how we dress. These are all things that depict our culture. 
Now, here's the thing that we struggle with. Every kingdom citizen struggles with. Every believer. This is the ongoing struggle. And see, culture is learned. And culture is developed. And culture is ingrained in people. And no matter when you were born again, no matter how young or how old, there is a former culture that you once belonged to. Now, you'll have to, you'll have to follow me here because when I say the culture of the world, I don't mean the culture you grew up in. Some of you may have grown up with a culture where it was polite to open doors for people and uh, say yes ma'am and yes sir. And others may have grown up where you didn't say those things. I'm not talking about the worldly culture you, in this earthly life that we live. When I say worldly culture, I'm talking to the previous kingdom you once were a part of. Colossians chapter 1. Let's start there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. There is an ongoing struggle that we all fight as believers. New believers, old believers. This is a struggle that never ends until Jesus comes. Colossians 1, verse 13 says, He has delivered us. From the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. This verse talks about a transfer and this is talking about at your moment of being born again. Your moment of salvation. And he's speaking of this as a transfer. We saw this last week that that word conveyed actually means transferred. He has transferred us from where? The kingdom of darkness to His kingdom. So here's the struggle. To learn a new culture requires us to unlearn an old culture. All of us. To learn a new culture requires us to unlearn a previous or former culture that we once We're a part of. Now remember, every kingdom has a culture. Every kingdom has a way of living. Every kingdom has certain standards. Every kingdom has a certain way people talk. Every kingdom has a certain way uh, people uh, express themselves. Every kingdom has different manners. Now we have to remember that we once belonged to a previous kingdom. The kingdom of Darkness, which means that there was a different rule, there was a different system that was in control of us. Remember last week we said that when you were in the world, you thought you were doing your own thing. Well, I feel like going to the bar, so I'm going to go to the bar. I feel like watching this show, so I'm going to watch this show. I feel like being with this person, so I'm going to be with this person. But you really weren't. You were really giving in to the God of that world, Satan. So now we've been transferred out of that kingdom, brought into the kingdom of God, which means we now give ourselves over to God's rule, doing things the way God wants to do them. But here's the issue we all fight. The struggle we all have is that we still have an old culture that we remember how we used to do things then. Now, when I talk about the old culture, I'm not just talking about sin. Okay, I'm not just talking about uh, things that were sinful. I used to watch these kind of shows, but now I live in the kingdom and I don't watch those kind of shows. That's one form of culture. But I also mean 
Now, sickness is a part of both worlds. But when I didn't have the kingdom of God, I always resorted to medicine, doctors, hospitals, surgeries, procedures. But now living in the kingdom of God, I don't, I don't, I'm not a part of that culture anymore. My culture has a new way to take care of healing. And so we have to learn that. But at the same time, we have to put off, we have to unlearn the formal way we used to do things. Okay? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. When does that take place? Immediately, or does that take place over time? Immediately. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. I mean, Paul says it happens so fast that it is past tense. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay? Now, if I could add to the Bible, I can't. I'm not allowed to do that. <laughs> but I would put the word almost in there. And I'll show you why. Now, see, Paul, many times when he's speaking, he's speaking to our spirit man. Now, remember, you have to, you have to keep in mind, you are a three-part being. And the real you, again, unseen realm, more real than the seen, the real you is the spirit man that we can't see. See, the person I'm talking to, Nikki Matthews and the Lisa Biles and the Chuck Blum, I, I, that's not the real you on the outside. The real you is what you can't see. How do I know this? Because Paul said that the things that are unseen are permanent and the things that are seen are temporary. When you die, what happens to your body? Decays. Gone. Put it in the ground. Temporary. But what happens to your spirit? You got one of two places you're going, and your spirit's living forever. Okay? So right there, Paul confirms your three-part being, spirit, soul, body, and the spirit is the real you. So he's talking to the real you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. How many of you were born again, got a whole new body? No. How many of you, when you were born again, got a whole new mind? Nope. How many of you just all of a sudden started thinking differently, never wanted to do anything? Uh, now, God will take away desires, but you have a will. You have a mind, a will, and an emotion, your soul realm, that still can do whatever it wants to do. The way I like to put it is this. At this moment of salvation, your spirit is born again. Your soul... Is trying to be born again, is on its way to being born again, and your flesh cannot be born again. You cannot save your flesh. That flesh will always have the culture of the previous kingdom. It's ingrained in it. It's been developed in it. It was born into it. The Bible says that because of one man's sin, we've all sinned, and we were born into Adam's sin. There's nothing you can do about your flesh. Quit trying to save your flesh. Quit trying to, Lord, just take away these desires. Lord, just, Lord, just, uh, I just don't want to do it. Take away the want to. 
You'll always have a will, and he's not going to take away your will, because if he takes away your will, then how does he really know you love him? Your will is what identifies that you really love God. Because I go to church even though I want to stay home. I read the Bible even though I'd rather watch this. I pray even though I'd rather be doing this. That's your will. He's not going to take away your will. So Paul is talking here to your spirit, man. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But really, if all things have become new, then we have a new body, we have a new way of thinking. But that has to be developed. Look at this in Romans chapter 12. So we just saw the instantaneous moment. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. But here is where we have some work that needs to take place. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, what? Bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now let me stop right there. He says your bodies. So apparently, according to this verse, it is not good enough that my spirit has been saved. Apparently, there's more that needs to take place. My reasonable act of service is presenting my bodies. What's he saying? Let what has taken place on the inside of you show on the outside of you. That's what he's saying. Let the new culture that has been placed inside of you, let it be evident on the outside. Present, that means to show, make it evident to people, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Now again, your, your flesh can't be saved, but you can steer your flesh to do right or wrong. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying instead of choosing to always do the wrong thing, let's start choosing to do the right thing. What gives you the ability to do the right thing? The spirit on the inside of you. Now look how he says that we get this done. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he says, here's what you need to do, brethren, believers, citizens of the kingdom of God. What has taken place on the, on the outside Needs to sh- what has taken place on the inside needs to show on the outside. He, what he's saying is, people need to know you're of a different kingdom. People need to know you're of a different culture. And then he goes on to say, don't be conformed to the world on the outside. Don't continue living like the world lives. Because on the inside, you're not like the world is anymore. There's a culture on the inside that is different, that is contrary to what is on the outside. So don't be conformed to the outside. Be transformed. That means change what's on the outside. 
Well, I just don't think I can do right. I just can't seem to get things right. I just can't seem to make the right choices. I just can't seem to turn that off. I just can't seem to, to, to get up the want to to read my Bible. I just, yeah, you can. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Culture first takes place in the mind. Now, just naturally speaking, How did you know that in this culture that we live in, it is wrong to steal? You learned it. In your mind. How did you know that in this culture, the the main language is English? And how did you learn to speak English? You learned it. In your mind. You were taught it. That's where the culture was ingrained in you. Was in the mind. And so now, we're raising our kids in a nation whose culture is beginning to ingrain in people's minds things that we know weren't our culture one day. It used to not be our culture to send our kids to school and they don't pray or open a Bible. That used to not be the culture. It used to not be the culture where we have to fight to keep God in political things. It used to automatically be there. Go back and read the Constitution. The whole thing was based on the Word of God. So culture changes when you can change people's minds. If I can change your mind about how you view same-sex marriages, it will one day be a part of our culture that it is culturally okay, culturally acceptable to be married to a male if you're male and a female if you're female. We're seeing this happen today, right now. Culture changes if you can change people's minds. Because culture first takes place in the mind. See, I can't learn a new language unless I learn it in my mind. Or I I can't speak a new language if I don't learn it in my mind. You go to another nation, go over to England, they don't drive on the same roads, the same side of the road as we do. So culturally... You're going to have to learn to drive on another side of the road. You're going to have to learn to drive a car that actually has all that stuff on the other side of the car. Culture. Learn to dress different. Learn different standards. There are words that we use in our language that would be offensive in another nation. So what do we have to do? Culturally, If I'm going to be a part of the culture and live according to the culture of that nation, I'm going to have to learn it in my mind. Well, it's the same way with the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, you have to realize that not only are we trying to learn the new culture of the new kingdom we're a part of, we're trying to unlearn the old culture that we once were a part of before. Now, why are we talking about this? We're talking about keys of the kingdom. Because you can't use the keys if you don't understand the culture of the kingdom that the keys go to. The keys won't work. 
If you try to culturally do things the way you used to in your former culture, the keys will be powerless to you. So we have citizens of a kingdom of God that are trying to use keys and trying to unlock things, but since they don't really understand the culture, the keys aren't working. And you can really put these last four weeks in a whole section called Keys to the Keys. Because this is all laying the foundation so we understand why the keys uh, are important to us and, what, and how we use them, what we do with them. Now look, this renewing, renewing, I-N-G, that means that this thing is ongoing. This thing is happening. This thing is taking place. I mean, I-N-G, that puts us in the present tense. If I say uh, renewed, E-D, that's past tense. It's already been done. You've been made a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed, E-D, away. All things have become new. Those are all past tense. But now Paul jumps to this verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and says that we are transformed by the renewing of the mind. So here we have citizenship is instantaneous, immediate. But the culture is gradual, is constantly taking place. We are constantly learning this new culture. So do we see that? The difference. We have to understand that. Now, let's go over to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to stay here for a little bit. <clears throat> See, the renewing of the mind, the renewing of the mind, this is how we get this culture. This is how you live the culture. See, right now I live the way I do because growing up I learned. I opened doors for women because culturally I learned that was the right thing to do. I, said, I say yes ma'am and yes sir because culturally that's how I was taught to live. I learned those things. There was a day when my parents had to tell me, say yes ma'am, say yes sir, go get that door for that person. But now, because I have transformed my lifestyle by renewing my mind, those things are, they just happen. And we need to get to the point as citizens of the kingdom of God that things that are required for citizens of the kingdom, that they're just taking place and they're happening because we're renewing our minds. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul is talking, and he's, this is how he's talking. He's talking about how to live in the kingdom. See, I used to struggle a little bit with the kingdom of God and its message. And, you know, Jesus preached it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, no doubt about it. Sure, got it. Acts, Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Hebrews, first and second. Where's the kingdom? What are we looking at? And I came to realize that Jesus was establishing the kingdom, and now his disciples and his apostles, they were teaching people how to live in the kingdom. All of the New Testament, after John, is talking about the culture of the kingdom. And so the the whole back half, really two-thirds of the New Testament, is on the culture. How to live the culture of the kingdom. 
So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul is speaking. And he says, This I say therefore, and testify on the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. That word walk is live. So we can say it this way. Do not live as the rest of the Gentiles live. Now, when he's saying Gentiles, he's talking about those that were outside God's covenant, the world. We know now that God's covenant extends to all people, those who are willing to accept it. At this time, Gentiles were still thought to be outside of God's covenant. They were still thought to be a part of the world. So we could read it. I testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the rest of the world lives. In the futility of their what? Mind. Futility meaning emptiness. In the emptiness of their mind. They don't have any idea how to walk according to the kingdom of God. So they walk like Gentiles. They walk like the world. Having their understanding darkened. Being alienated or set outside of the life of God. Why? Not because God put them out there. Not because God didn't extend His grace. Not because God didn't love them. But because of their ignorance. Because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. Look what he says in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. He's saying you have actually learned something different. Someone has actually taught you the lifestyle of the kingdom. Somebody has actually taught you how to live in the kingdom of God. You have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus. Now look what he says here in verse 22. This is where we get going. That you put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. See, he says that your flesh is actually only getting worse and worse every day. You're actually growing more and more corrupt. How many of you would say that just naturally, that fleshly, lustly, there are things that could, uh, that, that could attract you away from God that maybe ten years ago weren't there? Why? Because the world is getting worse. And your flesh wants everything to do with that. There's temptations that you may have today that 10, 15 years ago you may not have had. But your flesh is growing corrupt. Your flesh is growing worse. Verse 23. And be renewed in the spirit of your what? Mind. Be renewed in your mind, the spirit of your mind, and that you put on. The new man, which was created according to God. That means your new man was created just the way God wanted it to be. We're not working for this thing. We're not trying to be good enough. We're not trying to access the kingdom. We have been created according to God. Just the way He wanted it. In true righteousness and holiness. He says that you were created just the way God wanted you to be in righteousness, your position, and holiness in action. That means you have the ability to lift this thing out. Now, going back, he said 
that you need to put off the old man and put on the new man. This is talking about culture. He's saying, unlearn the old way of doing things and learn the new way of doing things. That's the simplest way to put it. Put off, put on. Get rid of, put your mind on. And he's talking about the culture of the kingdom. He's saying in the kingdom of God, you can't think the old way you used to think. See, don't walk like the world walked in the emptiness of their mind, having understanding darkened, being blinded in their hearts. But you haven't learned Christ that way. You've been taught the word of God. You've been taught how to live in the kingdom. Get in the word, let it transform your lifestyle by the renewing of your mind. Unlearn the way you used to do things and learn how to now do things in the kingdom. Do we understand that? All right. Now, Ephesians was not written in chapter and verse. None of the books of the Bible were. So we just got to the end of Ephesians chapter 4, but Paul's not done. Actually, we're not at the end. Let's keep going. We've got more. <clears throat> if you're in a New King James Bible, they have it sectioned off. But look what he starts talking about here in verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He's saying in this kingdom, our culture is we don't lie. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In this culture, we're not angry with people. We don't have quarrels and fighting. Verse 27, nor give place to the devil. That's funny. I, you didn't know you could give place to the devil. We thought the devil just runs around and does whatever he wants to do, right? Paul says you actually can give place to him. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer. In this kingdom, we don't steal. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So what you work for is actually supposed to be given to you so you can give it away and be a blessing to someone else. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. In this kingdom, we don't say bad things about people. Only what will encourage and help other people. That it may impart grace... To the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. In this kingdom, we don't do these things. We're not bitter with people. We don't, we don't, we're not angry and, and are full of wrath. We don't speak evil of people. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. See, he's saying, in your old kingdom, you used to talk this way. In this kingdom, we're kind to people. We're tenderhearted. We're patient. We're forgiving of each other. That's the kingdom we're now in. Now look, chapter 5, verse 1. He's not done. Therefore, be imitators of God, dear Children. This is a verse that a lot of people like to skip over. Because what in the world is Paul talking about? Imitate God. You're telling me to be like God? Better believe it. Better believe it. 
Imitate God. Be like God. Would God do that? What would Jesus do? I had a bracelet. I had the necklace. I had the t-shirt. I had it all. What would Jesus do? Didn't even know what I was doing, man. What would Jesus do? Now again, we always think about sinful things. Before you do that, what would Jesus do? But there's a sick person. What would Jesus do? There's a person who's depressed. What would Jesus do? There's a person that has a need financially. What would Jesus do? That's the kingdom we live in now. He's saying, be imitators of God. Verse 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. And then he starts going on more. He's talking about the culture of the new kingdom we live in. Verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as fitting for who? Saints, kingdom citizens. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse gesturing, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. He's saying your actions should identify where you live. He's saying your culture should be evident to people and should show them what kingdom you're really a part of. Remember, there's the two, stru- the, the two struggles here. The former kingdom that we used to be a part of and the kingdom that we're now of. And he's just gone through and give you a whole list of this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what the kingdom of the world looks like. In, in essence, he's saying kingdom of the world, kingdom of darkness versus kingdom of light, kingdom of God. This is how you used to do things. You used to cheat. You used to steal. You used to talk bad of people. This is how you do it now. We don't let the sun go down before our... Before, uh, before we get something straightened out, we walk in love. We're forgiving. We're kind. We're tender-hearted. And then he goes on to say that they have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Verse 7, therefore, do not be partakers with them. Have no part. Of that former kingdom. He's talking about the culture of the kingdom. He's talking about the culture. And what he's saying is. The culture first takes place in your mind. But it needs to be portrayed in action. The culture that you're learning. You need to exemplify it. You need to show it. It needs to be evident. Just like I told you earlier. Just because someone walks in here, I can get people from 10 different nations. I don't care what color they are. Most of the time, I'm not going to be able to know where they're from. There are some nations that more that are more identifiable than others. But still, you're not going to be able to pinpoint exactly. I mean, you might get Asia, but you might not be able to pick out Hong Kong or China or Japan. You might get Africa, but you don't know exactly what... Africa's a continent. That's not a nation. 
I don't know that you're from Mozambique or Egypt or Namibia. I don't know that. I mean, I went to Bible school and we had people from all over the world attend that school. And I had friends. I had a friend from London. I had a friend from Africa, which I don't even know where in Africa. I forget now. From Africa, I knew he was African. And that was it. He wasn't even African-American. He was just African. He wasn't even a citizen of the United States of America. But once he started talking, once he started identifying himself, it became evident, yeah, you're not. It was definitely very evident, you're not from around here. The foods they eat, don't have me over for dinner. I'll stick with my hot dogs and my pizza, man. American all the way. Give my hamburger and put cheese and ketchup on it. I'm an American. We eat Hot Pockets. I don't eat that funny stuff. <clears throat> okay? So, these are things that culture identifies with people. And the culture should be able to identify that stuff. Now, see, we've got believers that have chosen to live this way. I remember when I was uh, in high school... Um, when I was in high school, you know, the way teenagers dress and stuff is funny, you know. That right there shows you a whole other culture in the way someone dresses and their upbringing. But I had a friend who he always wore torn jeans and, you know, torn up shoes. Back. He had a pair of shoes that literally had a hole in them. And he wore them all the time, every day. Uh, you know, ratted T-shirts. Didn't look like he ever washed his hair. And so you're thinking to yourself, culturally, you're probably not raised, you know, in the best part of town with, you know, parents that had the, you know, the greatest upbringing. You just think that stuff. I mean, I, you, don't, you don't discriminate because I don't care. But you're just thinking, you, you build up in your mind what their parents look like, where they live. And he had a birthday party. And found out he was, the, the birthday party was in Colleyville, Texas. And I'm thinking, there's no way. We must be going to someone else's house because Colleyville, I mean, that's where Texas Rangers live. That's where Dallas Cowboys live. I mean, this is rich area. I'm thinking, what in the world are we going to Colleyville for? They rent out something in Colleyville? Sure enough, it's his house. His dad's an attorney. His mom's a nurse or something. Driving, you know, beamers and... Escalades, and I'm like, no way. But why? He chose to live a different culture. He didn't want to wear the Doc Martens and the Levi's and the Polos and the Tommy Hill figures. That's the stuff. That was the preps. Growing up, you had the preps and you had the, the skateboarders and you had the... Uh, I don't even remember anymore. They're all there. And they're all still here today. <clears throat> you know, the way you cut your hair. Now, see, our parents, they weren't lying to us. That says things to people. How you conduct yourself. How you talk to people. How you dress. That says something about your culture. Now, this guy chose to live according to a different culture. And we have a lot of believers... That their culture is not these things. Citizens. 
The citizenship that they didn't work for, it was given to them, handed to them. You are born again. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. But they're still conducting themselves to the older man, to the former way of life. Why? Because they have not brought themselves to a new standard of thinking. The thinking is where it takes place. Culture always first takes place in the mind. That guy made a decision, I would rather dress like this than dress like this. Everyone else in my neighborhood does this, I would rather do this. He made that decision in his mind. And so we have to be able to adapt to this. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He's saying, your spirit is of a different culture, your flesh is of an opposite culture. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't live out the former. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Look at this. These are contrary to one another. The ongoing struggle for every believer. These are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Be led by the Spirit. That means don't be led by the things around you. Don't be led by how you feel. Be led by the Spirit. Allow that culture to dominate. Verse 19. Now look what he does here. This is Paul. And he's once again identifying the culture of the world. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries. And then he throws this in there, and the like. (laughs) And anything that was like that big long list I just gave you. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past... That those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying if you don't live the culture of the kingdom, you won't have the kingdom. Those who practice, not those who did, those who practice... Those who make a regular lifestyle of doing these things. A regular lifestyle of fornicating. A regular lifestyle of adultery. A regular lifestyle of being drunk. A regular lifestyle of having selfish ambitions. Regular lifestyle. Practice with no regret, with no forgiveness. That's who he's talking to. Who practice such things. They will not inherit The kingdom of God. Now let's go on to verse 22. Thank God he didn't stop with the kingdom of darkness. He went on to the kingdom of God and he said, here's what the culture of the kingdom of God looks like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. 
And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Right there, that last verse, he says, It is possible for you to be in the Spirit, spiritually, to be in the kingdom, and choose not to walk the way of the kingdom. That means we can't just look at someone who says, Oh yeah, I prayed that prayer. I was saved. I was born again. I asked Jesus into my heart. But their lifestyle has no love, has no joy, has no peace, has no fruit of the kingdom. And only fruit of the kingdom of darkness. He says, this is what you judge by. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. This is Jesus speaking. The fruit is the culture of the kingdom. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Look good on the outside, terrible on the inside. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Verse 20. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Culture. Therefore, by the way they talk, you will know what nation they're a part of. By, therefore, by the way that they live their lives, their standards of living, the values they have, you will know what country they are really from. He doesn't say by their profession. He doesn't say by what they do for a living. He doesn't say uh, by what they say, who they tell you they are. He says by their fruit. You will know them. Now look at this in John chapter 8. We're closing here. John chapter 8. Let's go to verse 42. John 8 verse 42. This is who he's talking about right here. These are the people he's talking about. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. See, right there he said, The way I know God's not your father is because you don't love me. Not because you don't claim him as your father. Because you don't love me. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Look at this in verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? He asked the question, and then he answers it. You ever had someone do that to you? A ask a question, and they'll go ahead and answer it for you? Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father... You want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, but uh, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. 
Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. He's saying, I can tell what kingdom you're from because of your actions. I can tell who your father is because of your culture. I can tell uh, who you give yourself to and, and who's ruler and controller over you because of the way that you live. Culture identifies citizenship. Jesus was able to pick out their citizenship because of the culture they were giving themselves to, because of the lifestyle, the way of living that they allowed in their lives. This is what Jesus has to say. John chapter 8, verse 31, Then Jesus said to the Jews who believed Him, who believed Him, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples. He said, I can tell... People will be able to tell that you belong to me because you obey me. That's what abide in my word means. You live according to my word. You obey what I say. And because of that, people will know that you belong to me. John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this. All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. By obeying that commandment. What is a commandment? Law. By obeying that law of the kingdom, people would be identified as citizens of that kingdom. How evident are we as citizens of the kingdom? I'll tell you right now, the keys that we're getting ready to hit on in the next few weeks, they will not work. They are powerless for a church that does not abide by God's standard. There is a standard. There is a culture that needs to be lived. There's a citizenship that we need to know about because there's rights and benefits and privileges. But just like I said last week, there are citizens of this nation right now that have all their rights stripped away from them. Because they did not uphold the culture of this nation, broke the law, and they're behind bars. They're in prison systems. They don't have the same rights and privileges that you and I have on a regular daily basis. The right that they have is the right to choose an attorney. It's <laughs> about it. You lose that. Citizenship means nothing if we can't live according to the nation that we're a part of. So we have to adapt this culture. We need to unlearn a previous culture. And we need to adapt, learn the new culture that we're a part of. See, we can't, we can't go after healing the way we used to go after healing. We can't go after financial provision the way we used to go after financial provision. And this is for her. I mean, I, I'm telling you right now, if I get a headache and I can't find a Tylenol bottle, I mean, you're, you're thinking, well, what am I going to do now? Now I have to drive to Walgreens? What part, of a, what a part of us as a kingdom citizen is not clicking and saying, 
By his stripes, I am healed. This headache has to go in the name of Jesus. But, culturally, I learned a part of a previous kingdom, a previous nation that I was a part of, that my only resource was limited to what the world could offer me. I mean, I was just watching a minister earlier today that he grew up, you know, poor, desolate, and so healing came to those people like nothing. Because they didn't have $8 to go buy a bottle of Excedrin. They didn't have the best insurance in the world to get the doctor's best procedures. So their alternative, their option, God, you got to show up on the scene because i got no other choice. And is that not what we just said in our series on faith? That true life of faith, a true life in the kingdom, is where God's the only alternative and the only option. This is what we have to get to as kingdom citizens. The dynamics, the powers, the miracles, the things that were happening in this book, we're not seeing them mostly in our nation today because we don't understand kingdom and because we have way too many other options. You look in there. Who are the people that were healed? People that had no option. A blind man, there's no option. God, you're healing me or I'm blind for the rest of my life. Woman with the issue of blood went to every doctor she could find, only grew worse, spent all her money. No more options. She had options. They didn't pan out. So now she said, you know what? I'm just going to have to touch his cloak. And when I touch it, I will be healed. I know I will be healed. I have no other option. People in Africa... You get 400,000 people standing in a field in the rain all day long for an evangelist, piling up wheelchairs, eyes opening up, legs growing back. Why? Because they understand kingdom and they have no other option. They don't have a medicine cabinet to go to. They don't have a doctor to run to. They don't have a, 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 a large account or great insurance that's going to help take care of that. So these things are happening like crazy. And we have other alternatives, we have other options, but in the kingdom of God, our culture should be to go to the king. That should be a part of our kingdom. That should be a part of our culture. And see, I'm not just talking about sin. Sin, yes, there's ways that we used to live in the world and we have to put those things off. But now, when we get to the keys of the kingdom, you're going to fight. But wait, that's not how I've did it before. Financial provision. Wait, you're telling me that if I want to receive money, that I need to give it? I need to actually give it away? I need to actually put it into good soil? That's not how I used to do things. And if I needed more money, I'd go put it in a bank account. Or, or I, I'd go see a financial advisor. I'd go take out a loan. Or I'd go ask somebody who I knew. Or I'd hoard it to myself and just wait till I had it. See, these keys, they're not going to work because we're still trying to do everything with an old culture. So we have to find ourselves putting off the old man. Unlearn former ways we used to do things. And start learning to do things the way God's kingdom would do it. Amen? That's the culture of the kingdom. That's how we get these keys to work in our lives. Father, we thank you. We thank you that we are putting on the new culture. No longer do we want to be held, bound, limited by the world and what the world can bring us, what the world has to offer. 
But Father, today, we desire to see the culture of the kingdom evident in our lives. We hold ourselves in righteousness. We hold ourselves in holiness to your word. But Father, we also begin to to look at what your word says about different situations in our lives because we want them to change based upon a permanent situation, not temporary. Hold ourselves in holiness to your word. But Father, we also begin to, to look at what your word says about different situations in our lives because we want them to change based upon a permanent situation, not temporary. We want We hold ourselves in holiness 